When July 4th comes around, it only makes sense to celebrate this event. It makes sense to me to think of fireworks. Some people like parades and others like a lot of good food. I still like a lot of good food and the parades are okay. But when it comes down to 4th of July, I think of fireworks. It just makes sense to watch fireworks and to thank God for our freedom that we have in this fine country. And that's the lesson today. James, it makes sense. Prayer, confess, and rejoice. The first point is prayer. Prayer is really a blessing, is it not? The opportunity to pray to God, to think about Him, to, to share some thoughts. Like those times that we need for deliverance in suffering or in sickness as many of us go through throughout our lives. Time for prayer for our enemies who persecute us. We should pray for them too. To help when we face temptations. That's a great moment for prayer and those important choices like Jesus did when he chose the disciples. He used that moment for time of reflection and prayer. Prayer is an important and helpful way that God gave us to communicate with Him. And we should do it sincerely, often, and with the right motives. We should pray with the right motives. Because what situation in our life doesn't need God's help? Suffering, for example, is a great moment to pray. James talks about this in James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Now, immediately, you probably go to the idea that suffering in that text means sickness. Well, I definitely think that sickness is a suffering. But this suffering here is about affliction, things that are happening to us. Crystal shared an experience with me a while back ago. There she is. I was looking over there. Uh, in her time in Mexico, I believe it was in Mexico, she was studying with a particular lady and Crystal offered a prayer. It was just the two of them and the lady looked at her with awe and like, can you pray to God? Well, yeah, everybody can pray to God. I hope I got the story right, Crystal. And so Crystal showed her that, hey, praying to God is something that makes sense. It's something that God offers the individual. The passage in James is just one example in the New Testament about the importance of prayer. It deals with evil, it deals with hardships, it deals with troubles, and all other kinds of afflictions. Those things that, that cause us suffering, that, that we need some extra help, we need someone to talk to, we need, we need assistance, or we need to pray for strength or faith to deal with the situation that's in front of us. But look at the passage, what the passage says. It says, you, that is the one who is suffering, pray. So right away, Crystal's not making up a, a, a teaching saying that she has the ability to pray and teaching somebody else that they can pray too. It's something that James says real clearly that you who are suffering should pray. I think that's a good thing. It makes sense to pray since we have a relationship with God through Christ. God gave us that blessing. Sick 
Anybody ever been sick or have, have worked with a, a family member who's been sick? Sure, Ethan, you've been sick. We've all been sick. We've all had sick and illnesses. Well, what does James say about that? Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. James chapter 5, verse 14. So my question is, or my thought is, immediately, why call the elders if you're sick? Is there a difference in, I can pray for myself when I'm suffering, but I can't pray for myself when I'm sick? No, not really. I think there's something else going on here that a person who is sick in a particular scenario just says, hey, I need people of a spiritual nature around me who need to help me. I'm, I'm weak, I'm struggling, maybe with my faith or maybe with the sin or maybe in not any of those areas. I just have this terrible sickness that I just need some strength. But if the elders are needed, call them. They might not be physical doctors, although there is an opportunity for them to bring ointment. As you might already know, in the first century, ointment was used in various ways. One of those ways was as a healing ointment. Maybe there was a type of sickness that somebody needed healing. I'm guessing that that wasn't a cheap item. Maybe the elders were uh, in charge of that. And uh, they went and took care of the person in the name of the Lord. See, I think that's the kicker there, isn't it? in the name of the Lord. So the elders go, they pray for the person who is sick. They anoint with oil if that needs to be the case. So they were basically healthcare workers also at that time. And our elders do a good job going visiting those who are in the hospital and those who are sick as well and encouraging. And they offer prayers and people pray for each other. You need encouragement sometimes when you're sick. You need prayer. And maybe you need assistance in your faith. Anybody ever here dealt with something and you go, why me, God? Why me? Why me, God? You know, that, that's, in my opinion, that's a cry for help. <laughs> well, why not you? You need God just like everybody else. Hey, here's an opportunity for you to go, hey, let me call the elders. Let me get some people over here. I need some prayers because I'm struggling. Having people praying together, even with our spiritual leaders, is an important act of taking care of certain needs and concerns. A time of dire circumstances might need a spiritual leader to pray with you or for you. I still remember being in the hospital as a little kid who came and visited me. Well, lots of people did. But I remember a deacon, an elder. I remember other families. They had no idea what was wrong with me. I had no idea what was wrong with me. And they still haven't figured out what was wrong with me. Now we go to other means by which to figure out what's wrong with me. Bill got that one. So, but they came, didn't they? They prayed with me and for me, didn't they? They were somebody I looked up to and was like, wow, they would come here just for me? being a, what, probably 12 or 13 year old, they would just come here for me. And of course, my parents were there too. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Overall, it makes sense to have a loving group of Christians share in prayer during your time of sickness. It makes sense rather than dealing with a sickness all alone. 
as some people are inclined to do. I can handle it on my own. But there's something that God is telling us that spiritual leaders are there and should be there to help us not be alone and encourage us maybe when we're weak in our faith. James also brings out the idea in this context of confess. Confession comes with being human. To acknowledge, to own up to something, to plead guilty or come clean. Confess is one of those things that I think is just part of the human existence because we all do something that we need to confess. We've done something wrong or not fully right, which is really wrong. As an example, we look at the child with chocolate on his face. To who ate the cake? Justin's probably never said that phrase. Who ate that cake? I don't know. <laughs> As the chocolate covers his face. I don't know. But you know better. What do you want to happen? You want the child to own up. To confess. To admit his wrong and be honest. I think confession has a lot to do with honesty. It's not as some people might use it, an opportunity to put the thumb down on somebody and say, oh, now I have control over you because now you confess to your faults and I know better. Well, great, I've confessed to my faults, but you don't own me. It's an acknowledgement. It's a, it's a way to help me grow. If I am willing to do it in such a way that pleases God and my dad who might say, Son, there's chocolate on your face. Let's not do and start a practice of lying to me. This is not going to end well for you. Confession is a form of honesty, is it not? There's a phrase to use. It's called uh, the alien sinner. It's, it's, it's an older term. You might be very familiar with it. It basically means not somebody from outer space who's a sinner. It basically means someone who's never come to Christ, ever. Therefore, they're alien to that salvation that comes through Christ. The alien sinner, we are asked to confess, are we not, before we become a Christian? Confession is one of those examples that we see in Scripture of what people who are believers who are not in Christ yet uh, admit to. Again, confession is an admission of, of wrong, of, of something. What have we done wrong before coming to Christ? Well, what haven't we done wrong before coming to Christ? And that alien sinner who never had the blessings of, of the blood of Christ cover his sins, they have not chosen to be in a relationship with Jesus. Well, that's something we need to confess and admit to. Jesus is not my Lord. He is not my Savior. He is not saving me. I am a lost. I need to confess that. Is that a right or is that a wrong? Well, that's a definite wrong. I am lost. I am out in the world living in a way I might be a good person. There's a lot of good person, people. But have I chosen to have Jesus cover me in my sins? Have I chosen him to be the one who I follow? Well, no, I have to confess that I've done it on my own and I've blown it. They have not been 
uh, saved, immersed in the water for forgiveness of sins. In fact, they truly have never confessed. Before you became a Christian, you confessed to a couple of things, haven't you? You confessed that Jesus is Christ, God's Son. Jesus is Messiah, God's Son who is God. We talked about the covenant this morning, the covenant of blood. Where did that, who did that come through? Jesus Christ, part of God's plan. The Holy Spirit's involved. We confess that every week that he sacrificed his life for our sins. We confess every week that he is the Son of God. We do that as Christians. But the alien sinner hasn't done it yet. He might mentally understand it, but he hasn't chosen to follow in a way that pleases God. So that confession is important. But we as Christians have confessed our allegiance to Christ as the leader and savior of the faith. You have confessed that you have done wrong, that you have sinned, that you need salvation. When you choose to follow Christ and you commit your life to him, the alien sinner has never done that until they're ready to change. The Christian confession, as we all know, there are people who call Christian hypocrites. Have you ever been called a hypocrite? Or have you ever said, those people down that way are hypocrites? Well, you may be struggling with your faith. And to the world who has an idea that uh, what Christianity is, you do look like a hypocrite. Why? Because you're struggling. You're having a hard time. Well, that's the time to admit to something. That I need to grow. That I need to be better. Live life better as a Christian. I need to admit that I've screwed up and that people out in the world are seeing that. Now, they might have the complete wrong perception, to be sure. And we understand that God gives grace to those who are His. And we struggle with the things that we deal with in this life. And just because we become Christians doesn't mean we're suddenly perfect in every way and we don't have struggles. So why would they call us hypocrites? Because they expect us to be, they don't know. They don't understand. God does. Do you think he still wants you to confess in your life that, hey, you need him? That you've blown it a few times? That you can use some extra help? Yeah. Confession's not meant to be a tool to make people feel bad. It's meant to be a tool to help people look to the place that, to God who will make things better. It's so important when we deal with the world to let them know that we're not perfect. We do struggle. And that just makes things more real, I think. When we struggle, we should seek, though, help confessing our sins with each other. Now, I'm not going to go out into the world and say, hey, I got this struggle. I might in certain circumstances if I'm just sharing. But where's your should be your safe place to confess and admit 
when you have struggles, when you have wrongs, when you have a need to go, hmm, uh, I'm not doing very well in this particular case. Well, Christians, Christians who are hopefully mature and recognize, well, I got enough struggles too that uh, I'm not going to embarrass you and and say that I'm better than you. No, of course not. You're going to put their arms around somebody who struggles as they confess to one another and go, hey, let's pray together. Let's talk about it. Let's bring the elders in in a particular case that where that sickness might be a spiritual issue. And I'm not saying all sicknesses are a spiritual issue, but there may be some. Call an elder. Get some spiritual help. Therefore, according to James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. There is something about confession that helps in our healings. Now, this passage uh, helps us recognize that it's okay to confess. It's okay to let admit you're not fooling anybody. We all know we each of us have issues and problems. It's not going to be a big surprise, I don't think. Rely on those people who've been there, who are your elders and, and spiritual leaders who can help you in this way. But sometimes sickness can come from a lifestyle opposed to God. We are engaging in purposeful wrongdoing and it manifests itself in a sickness. I can't speak to everyone's issues, but if we are spiritually sick and we confess to God and certain other Christians who can support us, who can encourage us, who can pray with us, well, James says that's beneficial. It makes sense. It makes sense. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. That's the key. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. James chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. A. And that leads us to the third point. Rejoice. Rejoice is fun. Rejoice is neat. Rejoice is a part of James. Rejoice is part of the Christian life. This weekend, it was our pleasure to be a part of the Lads of the Leaders. And so many people of you have prayed and were involved and, and uh, are tired from this experience. It was a culmination of fellowship. Bible study and event preparation, parental involvement and encouragement to improve our skills, to be more useful servants of God and his kingdom. One of the blessings that comes from such an event is the joy a person gets. That's why at the end, they try to celebrate and help the kids get all loud and rowdy and raise their hands and encourage each other. You, you did this, you did that, you did this. You can do better, you can, but you did it. You got in there. Praise, rejoicing. I particularly like the idea of having people, especially from Flagler, meet other people outside of our community and to refresh some of those relationships that you've had with people in the past. It's a good thing. 
Living in rural areas where people of like mind and are fewer, it is a positive dose of energy and awareness. When we see others striving to grow in Christ and enjoy the fellowship of competition in the events, it is cause for rejoicing. It is a cause for rejoicing. Scripture lets us know that there are two great reasons for a Christian to rejoice. Can you think of those two right off the top of your head? I'm not going to trick you, but they all have to do with salvation. One, well, let me go back. This passage helps us understand why at the end of James. The last two sentences or phrase or one sentence as I look at it in James takes up two verses. The last two. I think that's probably as important as the first verse that you see. My brothers, if any of you wanders from the truth, who's he talking to? Brothers, physical brothers, spiritual brothers. My, if, if any among you wanders from the truth, well, that, that doesn't sound good. And someone brings them back. Well, if they, were, they wandered, they left, and they have to be brought back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Wow. A new Christian is one of those people where we can rejoice. Can we not? We can jump up and down. I've seen you guys here fall into tears. That's also rejoice. You know what it means to turn your life over to Christ. You know what it means when, when you're supposed to be obedient to what he wants us to do. You know what it means when you're covered in your sins. Matthew uses the term disciple. He likes that word, disciple of Christ. A disciple is a student, is he not? A believer is also a student, is he not? Learns enough. He may or may not choose to fully commit himself to Christ. Not everyone who learns about Jesus fully commits himself to Christ or commits himself in any way. So that believer, according to Matthew chapter 28, or that disciple who then does that, he follows along the path that God has given him to be a Christian. If he does decide to commit himself to Christ, he is, he is immersed for the forgiveness of sins. This brings salvation to the alien sinner. And Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. Make what? Learners, believers of all nations, baptizing them. Who? Those who believe and who choose to fully commit themselves to Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. Who? Those immersed in Christ. To observe all that I commanded you. This is a special moment. It's something that God does to us. We don't earn it. We can't earn salvation. It's impossible. We don't work for in the sense of earning our salvation. Our past sins are, are forgiven. And our future sins are forgiven. Forgiveness because at that moment of immersion, Christ says that we receive his blessings, among other blessings. 
You may know the passage about the angels rejoicing. Not only do the angels rejoice when a sinner repents, we do too. We should be a family that says, I already know you're going to mess up. <laughs> so I shouldn't be surprised. And Dallas, I'll bring up somebody going, what happened? <laughs> I probably shouldn't divulge all that. Um, what did we do wrong? No. Shouldn't be a surprise when we make mistakes. Not at all. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. James speaks of a restored Christian also as a moment of rejoicing. So this might sound a little weird with what I said earlier. That when we're in Christ, our past sins are forgiven. Our future sins are forgiven. We still need to live a proper life. We still need to repent when we do wrong in the future. But we don't need to be immersed again, do we? Christ's blood is covering us, is he? But James is bringing up an idea of a wanderer. What is a wanderer in the case of Christianity? A wanderer is one who has chosen to wander away specifically from the truth. Ah, this is a challenge. This is a challenge. Evidently, an immersed disciple of Christ can turn his back on God and Christ in some way. It is a perilous situation. James says it's perilous. His past, present, and future sins are now placed back on him. He's turned his back. He hasn't just erred, as we all do, but he's turned his back on God. That's another story. In essence, he is as if he were an alien sinner. Romans brings this up pretty clearly. His soul is in jeopardy. He has wandered from the truth. He needs help. He needs help. Who better to help than somebody of a spiritual, like an elder, in certain situations who someone is sick and they need help? He needs help in being brought back to a proper relationship with God through Christ. In this case, he is deathly sick in a spiritual way. Deathly sick, especially. But there is hope, is there not? I think it would help if we just recognize that people are going to struggle in this life. I think if we get by that and, and that shock factor that we so desperately don't want to deal with, how much easier are we to go, I'm here to help you. I'm not ashamed. I'll love you. I'll bring you back in to help you come back into fellowship through Christ.
He needs to repent. He may desperately need other Christians to bring him back. But in the end, it is his decision to repent, is it not? When you're in the ambulance and you need a heart monitor or you need a uh, the fibrillation or whatever that's called, you usually lay in there and you're, they're not asking your permission. Yet in spiritual sickness, you need to receive permission to help somebody. You can't just stick them up to a machine and go, well, here I go, I'm going to take care of you. No. A big dose of repenting needs to come involved in this. A change of life. When he repents, what do we do? We rejoice. We rejoice. Why? Because it's a salvation issue. It's a salvation issue. The person has wandered from the truth. We can go to Hebrews, we can go to Romans, and we can see how when you leave Christ, you're in dire straits. You need to repent and come back. And James is just writing it in a different way for us to understand the same concept. I would say everybody in here has known that understanding, maybe not personally, but with others in their family, and have seen the great results of somebody coming back. That strength sometimes that comes in there, that determination to say, I'm sticking to my commitment to Jesus Christ, and I'm not going to wander away. That is a rejoicing moment. So whether an alien sinner or a repentant wanderer has repented and chosen to follow Christ in truth, it makes sense to rejoice. It makes sense to rejoice. The lesson is, James, it makes sense. Prayer. Prayer is a blessing that should be a common and daily part of our life. Confess is an opportunity to declare our need for Christ and salvation through Him. Rejoice is a great time for us to recognize when someone turns to God through Christ or turns back to God and Christ from a wandering from the truth, It's a good time to rejoice. It's a good time to rejoice. James has been a good study of God's Word, I think. It should be our last lesson going with James at this juncture and with the newsletters that have been written out there. Just remember, God's Word makes sense. It's important to follow God's teachings. If there's anybody here this morning who has any needs, concerns, confessions that you'd like to do in public or other 
opportunities to rejoice and share, please come forward now as together we stand and sing.